This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Please follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hi, friends. Welcome to today's show all about social skills. And I'm so happy to have Cecilia Clunt and Jason Corcoran with us today. You are going to be so happy that you heard from them today. They together have over 30 years experience working with kids. And Jason is a BCBA and Cecilia is a behavior therapist who we have personally known for five and a half years or longer. And she is by far the best behaviorist that I have met and is amazing with our son, Ryan. So I know her so well, and we are lucky to have them today on the show. So welcome, Jason and Cecilia. Hi. (laughs) So who would like to go first? It'll probably be a little bit more presentation style today, friends. We have a lot to learn in a short amount of time. So um, maybe you need a little pen and paper. How did you um, go first, Miss Cecilia? Okay. Um, I wanted to go over the six levels of play. There's unoccupied play, which usually happens between zero to three months. And during this time, we notice kids are walking around the room, looking at many items, uh, moving maybe their, their arms uh, to, to watch their, their fingers move. Um, you know, not really engaging in functional play, uh, but more just like being interested in the world around them. And then next there's solitary play, which happens usually three months to two and a half years. And at this stage, the children are they're uninterested or maybe unaware of what everybody else is doing. And they're more focused on like the thing that might catch their eyes. So we might notice them playing by themselves. It still isn't functional play. Uh, they're, they're probably still maybe holding an object, but just not using it correctly to where another child could play with them. Onlooker play is next. That usually happens between two and a half and three and a half years. And during this stage, this is when children will watch um, other children play. It seems like maybe they're getting a little close to where the play's happening because they're like about to join the the play, but they never make that initiation. They get close enough to watch and maybe see how the interaction is going between the other kids. They just don't independently join in the group game. Next is parallel play. And parallel play usually happens between three and a half to four years old. This is where we see a lot of kids probably just play really close to their peer or um, even just like right next to their peer. They might look like 
they're playing together because they're so close. But really, the child has their own bucket and their own shovel, and they're not really communicating anything back and forth, and they're not sharing any materials either independently. And what age is that usually, Cecilia, typically speaking? Three and a half to four years. Okay. Next, um, associative play happens between four to four and a half years. During this time, they're interested more in the person that's like facilitating the activity than necessarily the activity itself. And the activity itself here, um, there's really no right way or wrong way to do the activity like game rules or, or expectations, you know, it's more of just um, hanging out, I guess. And finally, there's cooperative play. And in cooperative play, we usually see that at four and a half years um, or older, the child is more interested in not just the people that are doing the activity, but the activity itself. And the activity itself has rules to follow. There's a right way to do it. So it's more of like the board game. So there, there's more um, expectation of how to play um, in cooperative play. Those are the six levels of play. So would you say that, you know, as parents who are edu- educating themselves on social skills and on these typical behaviors and actions that kids would be engaging in. It helps them to assess what they need in terms of at school and in terms of formulating goals um, for their child as part of their IEP, where you see the deficits and you see what they're not doing compared to their peers and formulate goals surrounding that. So uh, I was thinking that You know, at school, a lot of time what happens is children will go out to recess and lunch. Oftentimes, recess is 15 minutes. Lunch is 45 minutes. And sometimes what happens is adults decided we're going to give them their downtime. We're going to give them their free time. We're going to let them just go outside. But to me, when, when I see kids outside, like that's an opportunity to either teach them a new skill and maybe get them to the next level of play, or it's a time to teach them a skill where it might take a little more effort to say, you know, what are you going to play today? Who are you going to play with? And then give them an opportunity to try it. And then check back in with them. And I think that that would be helpful for the IEP team and the parents to just have like a little check-in because an hour a day, that all adds up. That's five hours a week. That's 20 hours a month. And those are all like amazing opportunities to be able to um, get kids to the next level or maintain their current level. That is such a great point. And If parents want to observe without their child knowing, you know, once in a while to kind of see what's happening, you know, during lunch or during recess, is that something that's encouraged or do you see that happening? Um, They just have to ask their IEP team 
for a hosted visit. Yeah, that's a really good way of uh, kind of getting in there and getting eyes on. We often see um, it's almost in every meeting where a parent will make the comment of, oh, well, they're so different at home. They're so this at home. Oh, they're like this, you know, and in one way or the other and more parents just felt comfortable coming in and seeing with their own eyes and having it. So during a, during a hosted visit, the, usually the case carrier or someone else on the team would, you know, kind of accompany you and uh, kind of walk you through how things are going. And I think that would help uh, make up some of the, you know, the discrepancy there from what parents are kind of experiencing at home and um, what the team at school is seeing. And so I I would definitely encourage that. I think um, every team should, um, hopefully welcome that. Yeah, because it could go both ways too. Of The parents might not realize their child knows how to play Foursquare. Right. Right. That's a great point. Yes, it does go both ways. Well, great. So for our parents of younger children who are listening to this, do you have any resources that you recommend so that parents really have a good understanding Because when you say the word social skills, it just feels like this huge, giant topic. It is. You're right. (laughs) It encompasses so much. Right. Right. It's not just play. Yeah. Right. Jason, do you have anything to add to that? Sure. You know, um, yeah, definitely. I I often think of like, so social skills is like this messy abstract idea and it's hard right like we and it's so important because nobody wants their kid to be left out everyone wants their kid to connect and to smile and to laugh um and 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 so it's 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 charged with this emotional charge um and it is it's super important i mean we all know how important it is and we all know how it feels to be an outsider and Mm -hmm. to to be kind of locked out of some of those things and and we would we would 10 times out of 10, rather that happened to ourselves than our kids. Right. Right. Um, I also thought like, I often think of some of the things that we, that Miss Cecilia and I do is like uh, something that's maybe more relatable is, you know, the first time that you go to the gym or maybe start running, you know, so you, you, you decide to go do something and then that night or the next day you're sore, you're beat up, you know, you're more tired, you're more hungry and you know, all these things are going on. And it's the same thing with social skills, like, except it's happening inside your brain. It's happening inside mm-hmm. your nerves. It's happening inside your heart, right? Um, it's hard and it's abstract and we don't know the right answers and it's depending on other people. So um, there's not an, there's not a not awkward kid out there, right? And so what are they going to say? How are they going to respond, you know? And so there's just so many different layers. And I think we have a harder time with it because those, the pain or maybe the growing pains is ends up happening inside our brains or, you know, in those areas that are really, you can't touch necessarily. And so it's, it's a little hard to translate that into, okay, like, you know, how hard do I push? What do I do? You know, I don't want them to feel this way, but I, but this really is important. And so it's just a little bit of compassion for the parents, the teachers out there, like even doing this for, ever that's still a reality that miss cecilia and i'll have a conversation about that every weekly about different kids like yeah like we want to we want to push them but they also need their own time but they also need this and you know and so it's 
just to take it with a grain of salt that we're all learning that these things are really important. And at the same time, no one has, there's not one answer that works for everybody. Um, everybody's amazingly unique. And, mm -hmm. um, and so every approach has to be amazingly unique, you know? So. Yes. That's, that's so true. Cause you want to give them the opportunity to grow and to learn, but you want to respect their feelings and you want them to always feel supported, be there for them and with them, especially when, when you get into middle school and like there's all the peer pressure of everyone else yeah. out there too. Yeah. And, and, and the hard thing is that bad social interactions are part of social interactions that yes, you get, right. sometimes you gotta let them fly. And I, I, I experienced that um, last week. So my son is going through all the social skills and trying to figure that out and all the weirdness of kind of what we're going through with, you know, not being able to connect with people in the same way. And we were at the park and his new thing is, um, once he gets into an interaction that he's not sure what to do, he starts growling and scratching at this at the air. And I'm like, I want to step in as a dad. And I normally do, you know, but this time I, I, I let it go. And I just stood next to him. I'm like, Hey buddy, you can't, you can't just growl. You have to tell them what you're doing. And, and he, he turned around to these kids that he just met and he goes, I'm an angry cat. And, and they all stopped and they looked at him and I was like, oh no, this is going to be the end. You know, like he's, he's <laughs> the weird kid. Right. And, and one of the other kids, the, one of the older kids goes, I'm a happy whale. And, and everything Aww. was fine. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that as parents and as teachers and, you know, and all across that line, we bear that because he, he wasn't feeling that. And I was feeling that and um, mm -hmm. the, the, the concern for that. So. Would you encourage parents, you know, whether they, you know, have a money tree or they can get, you know, um, classes through the regional center after school or what have you, that to have kids doing private social skills classes, assuming, you know, it's the right fit with the right, you know, instructor or therapist and that they're really honing in on your child's unique need. I mean, if you could, you know, advise parents to make that a part of early intervention and up, you know, as much as possible. I guess I'm asking as a parent of an almost 17-year-old too, and I look back and I think, I do regret that I did not do more in that regard for Ryan. So I'm just, so maybe that's where that's coming from too. So I, I think for social skills, it doesn't have to be so formal as joining like a paid group or having like a professional coach. I think for social skills, you know, invite one friend over, mm -hmm. you know, and, or, or go, well, maybe not right the second, but go to a <laughs> park. Because when, when you go to a park and you go regularly, it's usually like the same kids that come at that same time with their same people. There, there are so many different ways. Um, and then I know there's a lot of, um, there's like VIP soccer or the Challenger League, um, baseball. There's, there's different activities to join. You're, you still get the opportunity mm -hmm. to be included. Mm -hmm. But it's just less pressure. Really, like if you have, and nothing against therapists, <laughs> if you have like a therapist come over, it's like, okay, you're playing between 1.30 and 2. 
you know, this is what we're playing. This is what we're, this is, this is the skill you're learning. You know, it's so, it's so set. It's so, um, mm, isolated. Yeah. If you can make it just a little more natural, a little more free flowing, see what the child's interested in, especially at the beginning, you know, follow their lead of what, what they would do. And I think that that happens more naturally with mm-hmm. a, a play date or over at the park. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree with Miss Cecilia, but I would say this because I, I can hear your heart, Jessica, and what you shared. And I would say, in a perfect world, if you had ethical support, someone who you trusted, who could be trusted. I mean, one of the things that I always tell parents, and I know that Miss Cecilia and I've had this conversation as well, is we're always trying to work ourselves out of a job. And so, in a perfect world, what I would in what I imagine, what I would love to hear you say is I went someplace to have that conversation with, um, with a behavior analyst or with somebody. And they told me that, that you shouldn't do it. You know, that yet these are some better things that after looking at the whole situation and kind of really getting to understand your son and, you know, the family dynamic, this is, they didn't, they didn't offer services because they gave us other options. And, Mm um, I would love to hear every parent get that support, you know, yeah. and it, and oftentimes as a parent, you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing and I just want my kids to be happy. And yes. the, the comfort of someone saying, look, like you can do this and here's some tools or here's a little bit of support, but, but you don't need anything more than that because therapy shouldn't last forever anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it, cause it can get complex. Like when putting together, you know, the, the three different programs, um, for the private practice, it's the mechanics, you know, some kids need help with the mechanics of, of making friends or Mm -hmm. social skills. And some kids need just the, the exposure to other kids in a safe environment that's, that's facilitated. And some kids need, you know, when they're higher functioning, going ahead in things, they need to kind of understand who they are and what's, you know, like kind of have those kind of conversations of what's important in life and how to, how to kind of do those things, which is like a higher, a higher level. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, and so all those things are, are good answers, but the best answers, I think I would agree with Miss Cecilia is if you can't, you know, like, happening naturally happening in the context of family and those things are happening around them. Like we, we always want that to be the first and foremost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The thought of your child sitting alone in middle school or high school um, is just heartbreaking to a parent. Now I, Ryan always had an aide always will have someone beside him. So I, comforted myself with that, knowing that he truly wasn't ever alone. But kids who sort of are high functioning, but struggle socially, it's so hard for parents. What would you say to parents to prepare them or help them prepare their, their kids going into middle school? So I think um, I was having this conversation with somebody earlier um, this week. And I think in a perfect world again, so, and, and none of us live in a perfect world. If I could do it perfectly, I would say that those conversations, those interactions with your middle schooler happen, start happening in elementary school. Those, the social interactions that being a part of the social interactions come from the habit of them 
being used to you being around, used to you being in their lives, used to you being, you know, like um, asking all the questions before the hard questions get there. Because when the weird things start happening, when you're worried that they're spending too much time on the computer or on the phone, or maybe you don't necessarily like maybe the language that's coming out of their mouth, um, you're already in the conversation with them. And so you can have, you can kind of get a feel for where they're at, what's going on. Um, and, and feeling, feeling a little bit more secure on how to approach some of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to a mom who was saying like that during the quarantine, um, that her son, they, they were, they were, they were being really rude to one another and being, you know, very abrasive with their language and that she was really worried about that, that that's not how they grew up. And, and I was in processing that I was like, well, how does he come out of it? Does he have a lot of tension, you know, or does he, is he pretty calm? Like, does he treat his sister that way? Does he treat you that way? You know, like, how does he take it? And, and her son spoke very positively about it. And I was like, well, then, it's probably a good interaction at the same time, like the things that are really important to you, you should really reinforce those things during dinner time and during the interactions that he has with you guys, like just point it out. I, you know, I really appreciate how compassionate you are towards your sister or that, you know, you like to give hugs and stuff. Like I really love that about you and just reinforcing those things while allowing him um, what could be a positive, but maybe not ideal for mom interaction you know mm -hmm. which is which is a, which is a hard conversation i mean that's but that's what you get into in middle school is like yeah. some of these things look very different you know yeah. um I, and i see a lot of things that i don't understand i mean there's kids who really really find a lot of value from playing video games just sitting next to each other i get the playing video games thing i get the being next to each other but like at this level i'm like um i'm surprised at how much satisfaction you get for that mm-hmm um, what I do, what I like to share with parents, especially like since a lot of kids have been at home lately and it looks like we may be spending more time at home, um, in the foreseeable future. Um, and that being just, just pointing out to say that I think, um, parents are feeling the pressure, whereas maybe their kids were gone for most of the day at, at school and they weren't seeing these things right in front of their face. Now they're seeing some of these things. Um, and it's becoming like a little bit more apparent to them that maybe, maybe we should be in these conversations, which is great. Um, and I always want to empower parents because I think one of the things that we always see is kids turn out like their parents for better or worse, right? We, we turn out like our parents, you know, and, um, and that's beautiful. And we can use that to really, um, really influence and help our kids. Um, and so one of the things I like to encourage parents with is, um, is what I would like to call like creating an all day conversation. Um, when you understand what you want to see from your kids, I just want to encourage you to be intentional about it. Make it part of your day. If you're, if you want your kids to be kind or helpful or better friends, you ask them what that looks like and what that doesn't look like. And then you make it part of your day. So you point out to them, um, when someone else is doing something that they said a good friend would do, or when they're doing something like that, you know, and you just make it, make it intentional during the day. Um, and, and in that way, it becomes a habit. It becomes something that they notice you're noticing. And so they're more likely to notice it as well, or to stop and do that thing that you were noticing because they, they want that attention too. And so it's a really cool thing. I like that. I like that just to really be intentional in these long groundhog days that we are sharing with uh, 
our kids right now, there's, it's ripe with opportunity. It really is. Uh, and, and, and it doesn't have to be complex. You just think about it in the morning and you, and you just pick one thing. So one of the, one of the things that trips me up is you get too ambitious and you're going to do everything. Just pick one thing for the day and just, um, and be intentional with your actions about it, with their actions. Cause that's, cause that's the next step too, is you really want to model these things for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they are going to, they are going to be much more likely to do the things that you're doing. And, and it's not the things that you're always you know, like it's not the thing that you're doing towards them. It's usually when they watch you interacting with somebody else, they're like, Oh, okay. That's how that works. I'm going to do that. Cause I want the same thing. I, I, I want to be like mom. I want to be like dad. And, mm-hmm. um, and so my, my encouragement would be to model, model to your kids mm-hmm. the behavior, the social skills that you want to see um, throughout the day as well at, you know, you want to make, you want them to make better eye contact. So Make sure you're doing that. You're not looking at your phone. You're not looking, you know, at something else um, while you're having that conversation with with them or with somebody else, you know. And then you um, just being very intentional with that modeling. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's important to narrate sometimes too? I guess it depends on the age of the the kid or how um, high function they're. I, mean, I don't know. I think if I had an interaction with my daughter and Ryan's there sort of just, Oh, did you note that, you know, I had my music on too loud and Kate asked politely if I could turn it down because she brought her schoolwork to the dining room table. And so I'm going to do that because that's what a good friend would do. Right. Ryan. You know, I'm just trying to think of an example is narrating helpful to help your child observe whatever age or stage that they're at just to help them see some of these very subtle things that happen in conversations and social skills. Yeah. So that, that, you know, actually that's, that's like the next stage that I would say, not just narration, um, Jessica, but I would, I would say that, yeah. So to answer your question, yes, like definitely, um, depending on your kids. So if, if they're older, um, and they're more, for lack of a better term, snarky or maybe push back on some of this stuff, mm-hmm. the narration may get in the way. You know, they'd be like, sure, gosh, sure. mom, come on, you know. Um, <laughs> right, right. They're anything like me when I was in that age. Um, right. but, but for our younger kids mm-hmm. um, and for our kids who aren't like that, I say use every tool in your toolbox. Um, mm-hmm. I act like... I act like a fool for my kids all the time because, (laughs) because at the end of the day, like I, I, I hopefully know what I want for them and Mm -hmm. I don't really, and and when I know what I want for them, what everybody else thinks um, matters a lot less. And Mm -hmm. so I make a big, big deal when we're learning to read and he's experiencing anxiety. Um, I make a, I make a big funny deal to unload some of that anxiety for him. And I let him know mm-hmm. any way that I can, that I'm so proud of that. I'm so excited. And, you know, I, I roll on the floor or I pretend, you know, like whatever it is, because, mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter what I look like at the end of the day, if he's able to pick it up. And, and I just encourage parents like for that too, like, it can all disappear in that moment. As long as you know what you're going for, I, I say, go for it. You know, mm-hmm. 
this is all a conversation. All of these things, modeling is a conversation, you know, um, being intentional is a conversation. You're communicating to your kids and using different layers of communication with your kids. And so acting silly sometimes to put that in their memory is a form of communication, you know, altering, you know, I don't, I don't yell at my kids. I only yell when it's a danger thing. And, and that's a form of communication because he stops and listens when I raise my voice, you know? And mm-hmm. so I would say you have so many tools and so many things at your disposal. Um, use them. You're empowering and encouraging parents that there is so much that, that they can do and it doesn't have to feel like a heavy class or project with their kid, but there's so many um, natural ways to really reinforce. And we're going to have to have you come back because this is another topic, but I know we have listeners out there who have children who are nonverbal. And so I'm sure that's just a whole different set of skills and learning for parents um, because their kids are still communicating. Um, They just not, may not be able to have the words. And so um, that will have to be a conversation for another time, but I know we've got, you know, that, that would be incredibly valuable to, to, to visit that topic. Can can I, I I wanted to offer an encouragement since we were talking about middle schoolers and I was such a gem when I was in middle school. (laughs) Um, One of the things I wanted to encourage the moms and the dads out there with is, um, as we talk about these things, I really want to, I really want to make the point that, that all these things really, really matter. Um, even if you don't think they matter. And I was, I was pretty rebellious as a middle, as a middle, as a kid. Um, and my mom was a tiger mom. She really fought and I never really appreciated that when I was growing up. Right. I, but I, I would write to myself, I had a journal and looking back, I, Everything that she did, all the sacrifices that she made, all the big deals that she made. She made wear a shirt and tie to school. She made she went to school <laughs> with me when I didn't do my work. You know, like I mean, it goes it goes farther than that. I'll spare everybody, but but I want to encourage you that I, when looking back, all of those things like set in me how much she cared and how much she loved and it mattered. And it, and, it, and I don't think, I don't think she would have ever known that in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a brick wall, you know, I was the one that was always shutting those things down. And yet I, my, my encouragement is that it, it totally mattered. It totally was worth it. Um, your kids are soaking in all of your love and all of your, mm-hmm. the, the effort that you put in and you may not reap that today, but I'm telling you that you're planting a seed that will, that will um, bear fruit. Oh, thank you, Jason. I know that that is wonderful for me to hear. And I know it's, it, it means a lot to moms or dads who are listening. Cecilia, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Um, Thank you for inviting us to be on your podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. I would love to have you to come back. The professionals that are working with special needs kids, you can't be all heart and no skills, and you can't be all skills and (laughs) heart, and you guys have both. So thank you for your dedication. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Well, you take care, and we will have you back. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you really enjoyed our Social Skills 101 class with Jason and Cecilia. 
please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share with other mothers who are seeking support and inspiration for life in the trenches of motherhood. We will drop new episodes every Wednesday. Join our community by going to wearebravetogether.com and filling out the little pop-up form. And remember, as always, you are not alone. <laughs>